Welcome to the Giveology Impact Series podcast, in which we share the experiences of social entrepreneurs and change makers around the world. Today, we're going to be talking about the Happy Kids Center, which is a safe space in which children affected by the 2015 Boxerfer earthquake have the opportunity to learn and be creative. I'm Delaney, joined by my co-host, Bandana. We are also joined by Ellen Carney, who is connected to both Giveology and the Happy Kids Center. Today, we are honored to have guest Nicole Hacker on our call. Nicole studied communications, arts, and sciences at Penn State University. She went on to teach English in Thailand for one year and in Nepal for a few months. She is currently teaching English in Korea until she can sustain herself financially long enough to focus on the Happy Kids Center without taking any money away from it. After Korea, she will head back to the center to train a new coordinator so that the center can move towards being Nepali run and managed. How are you, Nicole? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you for that introduction. Great. So can you share with us the story of Happy Kids Center's founding and mission? Sure. Um, so the Happy Kids Center was created after the 2015 earthquake, which left 9,000 people killed and 22,000 people in Nepal injured. Um, so this earthquake happened in the Kathmandu Valley area um, and specifically affected Bhaktapur and the Durbar Square and pretty much leveled the city. Um, and as you know, um, children are usually the people that are most affected by these kinds of events. Um, so our three founders, Joanna, Kevin, and Chris, were in Nepal after the earthquake and trying to figure out a way to lend a helping hand, um, which is when they saw this incredible need for a space for kids to just be kids. Um, so with the help of local activists and community members and and donors from all over the world, they came together and built this Peter Pan land bamboo uh, structure um, that uh, has become the Happy Kids Center. And what has Happy Kids Center become since its founding? What have you accomplished? Oh man, uh, so the Happy Kids Center has been on a crazy ride for two years. Um, so what started is just kind of this, um, this Peter Pan land bamboo structure, you know, full of toys and games and and um, anything that would facilitate kind of like a, an expressive childhood um, has kind of turned and morphed more into um, more of like a flagpole for the community in a sense. Um, we're the ones that people kind of come to um, if they need extra clothes or if uh, they need any type of outside support for any holidays, for any uh, festivals, um, we're kind of just like their outside home and support system um, in the community. So, I mean, we've accomplished so much, um, starting with the rebuilding of the structure. So what was once just bamboo is now um, plastered all around the outside bottom edges um, to pr protect it and make it a long-term structure because in Nepal, um, you know, they have, the four seasons just like everywhere else but or at most places but um they're subject to a lot of flooding so um just you know making sure that the the structure would be forever or for as long as possible was a huge goal um other than that just you know making sure that our organization is set up for that as sustainably as possible um and kind of just um soul searching a little bit as an organization and trying to find our identity so we have built an online community and presence um, that has really driven this organization and um, 
done a lot of fundraising and asking questions and immersing ourselves fully in this beautiful community that we've you know gotten a chance to be a part of um, but in addition to that we have uh, gotten two girls in school um, thanks to Ellen who you guys will hear from shortly and um, also instating food days so we raised money enough money to provide nutritious large amounts of food for the community for uh, the kids in our community um, two times a month which is um, just you know baffles me that we are we are able to even come that far um, for a lot of these kids it's the only nutrition that they really get um, so I mean we're obviously hoping to expand that but for now that's like such a huge win and um, lastly is the educational programs so we have kind of been approaching alternative education. Um, so um, finding their voice through photography, through um, an ESL curriculum that's been established, uh, independent learning from our library um, and things like this. And we're, you know, we're always searching for, for more, more ways to um, engage these kids in a different way, because for some of them, um, more formal education is, uh, at this point out of out of their reach so doing as much as we can in the time that we have in the place that we have yeah that's great so um today's today's podcast is focused on the development and the struggles of startup nonprofits so what encouraged you guys to start your organization and what do you find are the benefits of a smaller organization compared to like a bigger one sure um, so I think the with the founders, um, they saw they got to Nepal and they saw a need, and um, I think that they just kind of went for it. Um, and with that comes, you know, a lot of uh, complications and, and and struggles that we've definitely encountered along the way because of that. Um, for example, yeah, just kind of finding our voice and making sure that we're as sustainable and and um, fluid and and integrated with the community as possible. Um, however, I think the benefit of of being our independent organization is really that we can just tailor to the needs of our community and our kids, and we can, um, yeah, find our own voice in the community and and contribute and change. I think adaptability is huge with these kinds of organizations. I mean, we've grown from 15 kids to 80 kids um, and have crossed caste systems within that. So for us to be able to use the money that we raise the way we, we see fit and to engage with the community in different ways and kind of change our identity and, and um, our community needs as we go, I think, is a huge benefit to being a smaller organization. Um, I know every kid's name, all the volunteers, we know every kid's name, we know their stories, we know where they live, you know. Yeah. We, um, we are so connected to these people and I think that um, while some larger organizations have a lot of benefits, um, the benefit of ours is that it really feels like more of a family than anything else. Building off of that, we're really lucky. Um, the the woman who is actually at the center, you know, every single day, all year round is Chidani Diola, and she is a local um, Nepali girl. She's 22 or 23 years old now, um, so the same age as us, and 
Yeah, um, she's also a full-time teacher at the local Viola school as well. And having her as kind of, you know, the go-to person in our in our community has made it so much easier for us to, you know, um, <coughs> connect and understand the community in different ways as outsiders coming in. You know, sometimes it's really tricky. Uh, there's a lot that we don't understand about the culture, especially, like Nicole said, with the caste system. Um, I'm not sure how much you guys know or, you know, the listeners know about the caste system. It's not something that is um, officially intact, but it's definitely kind of a, a social hierarchy that has a major presence and, you know, major influence on the lives of everyone who lives within it, whether you're at the top or the bottom of this caste system. Um, so there's a lot about it that we have a hard time kind of wrapping our minds around. And there's a lot of privilege that we have coming into these communities. And, you know, sometimes we're looked at in really strange ways. And it's so important that we have, you know, someone who's at home in this community and who can, you know, help us out and make sure that we, I don't want to say know our place, but that we know the kind of roles in the community and that we make sure that we're not offending anyone or overstepping our bounds or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just making sure that we know how to communicate in these communities. So we're really lucky that we have her. Um, and I think that's what makes us, you know, so strong as a small organization is that we really do have grassroots because um, Chidani and her mm-hmm. family are at the core of our center. You know, they're, they're the Absolutely. heart of the center. Yeah, and for those meal life. days that we have, yeah, for the meal days that we have, and those are um, once a week. It's Chidani's mother who cooks all the food along with some other local women. Um, and Chidani's father is on the school board the local, uh, of the local school. So, you know, we're really lucky to have them. They really are at the, at the heart of what helps us function because myself and um, Nicole and Joyce, who is the head of our finance, we're around as much as we can hope to be, but with visas and with, you know, other parts of our life, we can't always be there. So, you know, it really wouldn't run without Chidani. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really amazing. You guys are clearly really uh, involved in the community and uh, it's just an amazing charity. And before creating the center, how did you and your partners approach researching the effectiveness of uh, your program's pre-implementation. Um, in other words, like how did you qualitatively choose what programs the Happy Kids Center would provide so that they can make the most impact on the children? Or did you choose um, a more unconventional route and just experiment as you go? Um, so the Happy Kids Center actually started a little bit unorthodox um, because of the circumstances after the earthquake and the limited time that the founders had because of visas, etc. Um, so really, with the help of, the, as I said, the community and the local activists um, and volunteers, it was kind of built and um, there's been some trials and errors along the way, but um, we've made a pretty good point um, since the first time I arrived to Um, ask the parents what they think our role should be. Um, So we've hosted um, a few parents meetings where all of, actually mostly only the mothers, um, (laughs) will come and we'll have some duchia tea and some cookies and invite some, um, we invited the board of education, I'm sorry, the principal of a a local school to come and speak and um, a local businessman and a woman from 
um, a local women's center to all come and talk about number one the importance of education and and um, and to ask the questions and have this community discussion about okay this is here how can we best benefit you um, and while those questions are so so useful and we got a lot of insight um, there's also some things that are really hard to put into words um, unless you're there and experiencing every day some things seem so normal so to to think to ask questions about them can seem um, can get lost sometimes. So um, we established um, for a short time a photo voice project, um, which is a type of ethnographic research um, where pretty much we give cameras to the kids and we say, okay, go take some photos um, of your community, of your friends, etc. Um, and then we look back on the photos and have the kids talk to us about the photos. Um, so we can really see what they're seeing and have them explain in their own voice um, how they really want to be represented to the international community, which is, I think, really important, especially when working with children. Um, there's There can be so, so much uh, um, misrepresentation and uh, lack of voice. So I, I think that, that one was a really big win and that gave me personally a lot of insight um, into into the how they see the world and how they see us specifically at the kids center um yeah I, I guess like just continuing to ask to ask these really important questions and uh a lot of figuring it out on on the way definitely <laughs> yeah and i guess some of our like biggest accomplishments have come out of you know problems that arise in the moment that we have to sort things out um in the best way that we see fit at that time. You know, we recently, as Nicole mentioned, got two girls into school and that complication arose only after, you know, some serious family problems that they were having. And it was either we'd take action now, you know, we had already been trying mm -hmm. to create some kind of program around uh, getting kids into school and getting them sponsorships. And we had a lot of good ideas floating around, but until, you know, the pressure was on and we either were gonna see these kids working in the street or going to school, we threw something together and um, we really yeah. ironed it out and it's working pretty well now. So we're hoping to be able to get some more kids into school next year. Um, but it is one of those things where we're working as we go and as horrible as it is, sometimes our, you know, our best programs have come from the worst circumstances. Yeah, wow. Uh, so what was the community's response to the Happy Kids Center once it was created? Um, well, it was actually pretty magical because um, generally a lot of the locals are pretty skeptical of NGOs in Nepal, especially after the earthquake because they watched so many people come in and throw money at things, throw projects together and then leave. Um, some even pocketed money for their own organizations, um, which left Nepali people um, as, that we have spoken to a little bit uh, skeptical. Yeah. But I think that Joanna, Kevin and Chris did such a good job at with the small amount of time that they had to really ask questions and really get involved and and really um, make it a community effort you know so it wasn't just these three foreigners coming in and building something it was it was really a group community um, event and because of that the <laughs> is actually amazing um, when when you think about it but the ex Prime Minister of Nepal came to the opening ceremony and held a ceremony and there was a 
giant parade and drums and like we went through the whole city and and um and yeah everyone was it was dressed beautifully i mean it, it was it was definitely an event of of the town um all coming to this and cutting the ribbon and and um yeah i think people people really uh, trusted us from the outset which has led to our success i think as an organization yeah that's really amazing so, yeah it was insane <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that your center has faced as a new organization and how are you approaching these things or how have you approached them in the past yeah so um i'm gonna definitely ask for some expansion um from ellen on this but um as she's you know she's been on the ground and dealt with with a multitude of, of unfathomable uh, scenarios over there. Um, so working with children um, has its own challenges, but but starting as a new organization um, in general um, is also an, an interesting combination. So um, there was definitely a lot of political changes within our community, challenges with us personally for visas and with volunteers and and trying to balance always always trying to balance what's best for our kids and um, also bringing in volunteers so volunteers are the basis of of everything that we do i mean without them we would not exist at all and um they yeah they've been an absolute blessing people have, have gone over and beyond uh expectations um but with that comes a lot of new people and a lot of changes and um we always just have to have to check ourselves and say okay what is what is best for the kids is it is it okay to keep having as many people coming in and we've definitely had to make some changes within our organization um kind of only asking for more long-term volunteers with specific projects um when we had to rebuild the structure we just kind of have to problem solve and think on our feet and, and get creative a lot of the times um, which has thankfully turned out really, really well for us. Um, um, and I, I, when it comes to the more interpersonal things, I'm going to ask Ellen to jump in here because she's experienced uh, quite a bit of of things at the Happy Kids Center. So Ellen, you can take it take over from here. Um, yeah. So we, I definitely, I was there for about four months this past winter into spring. Um, and my first experience there was, I guess, two to three months. And, you know, it was a lot of fun and a lot of, um, it was definitely heartbreaking, you know, walking through there where the children live kind of in the slums and kind of seeing the living conditions and adjusting to what life in Nepal is like. But going back the second time, having an idea of, you know, the community and, you know, the lifestyle there, um, I'm not saying it was necessarily easier, you know, when you see your kids rummaging through the trash in order to make ends meet to, you know, feed their families every night. It doesn't, it doesn't get any easier seeing that, but you do become more well-adjusted to, um, yeah, just the way that the society works. However, I think the more time that I spent there this year, the more that I saw kind of the really intense uh, cultural differences that you don't quite pick up on in the short term. So. Earlier this year, I, you know, attended a child marriage, and that was that was a really strange thing to experience. Um, a couple of our girls 
from the center. Uh, one was 16, one was 18, I guess. And they were, you know, arranged to be married and taken out of school, actually. And this is because their father had died um, from an entirely treatable disease the year before, and their family couldn't afford um, to live any other way. And so, you know, I'm walking into this, and it had already been planned, already been arranged. And Nicole, myself, and Joyce, and um, a couple of other, you know, uh, people who are involved with the center and just involved in the community, we tried to do everything that we could to stop it. But our hands were tied because, you know, as we said, our the core of what makes Happy Kids Center work is that the community respects us and we respect the community and we have a relationship where we're not we're not here to change anyone and we're not here to change the society or the community or fix it. We're here to be a part of it and bring as much good as we can to it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and help them in the ways that we're being asked to help. So all that I could do in that situation was be there for the girls and support them and visit them in their new homes and, you know, talk to them about things that in that society aren't necessarily talked about, but are going to be what keeps them physically and emotionally safe um, in this really strange time in their life. So that was definitely one major challenge was in a Western society. Of course, that's something that we would jump in and say, no, this is absolutely not acceptable. You know, you could call the police or call child services, but in this community there, I didn't have any of those options. So I, you know, had to be there and experience that and just to be as supportive as possible witnessing something that I never thought that I would witness um, or, you know, be accepting of, and, you know, I'm certainly not, not accepting of the culture around it, but in that situation, I had to be accepting of it. So, you know, working in a community that's so different from our own, I think that that's a major challenge and trying to wrap our minds around these differences and these things that, you know, I'm witnessing that to me feel absolutely abhorrent, um, but in their society is a cultural practice that's definitely something that you know creates a major challenge for western you know especially western women to be witnessing um mm -hmm. however with that being said now we're working on a program to try to um work with the girls who we think could potentially be married off young and um hopefully be empowering them in a way both um, like personally and financially so that may not happen. Also trying to um, create a education sponsorship program that will keep the girls in school and that families won't have to marry their girls off young um, for financial reasons and things of that nature. So that's definitely one of those things that you never get used to, but we're doing everything in our power to be preventative so that we don't have to step in and, you know, kind of be entirely destructive of our place in the community. Um, and then kind of with that in mind, also just the political challenges of the caste system. And sometimes it's hard recognizing that Chidani, she's a powerful person. You know, she's a absolutely amazing person, but that sometimes she doesn't have the power in these political situations because of her caste or that sometimes me going with her or going with her father gives them um, kind of more power in situations when I'm standing there having absolutely no no idea what's going on. You know, these things are really frustrating because you know their intellectual ability and you know they're, you know, um, far more qualified to be handling these things than you are. So there's there's things of that nature. And, 
you know, the only thing that you can do in those situations is check yourself and recognize your privilege and your power and, um, you know, utilize it when you can, but also make sure that you're reminding the people that you're working with that you know that while you have that power that they're the ones who are getting things done and, you know, not flaunting that or taking advantage of it in any way. Yeah. Uh, And clearly you guys have been doing a lot, um, especially those edits you made of the program to to help the the girls that were um, being forced into child marriage. Do you guys have anything currently that you really want to accomplish? Any goals or anything that our (coughs) listeners can donate to? Oh man, Uh, we have a bazillion and one dreams (laughs) that we want for for the Kids Center and the community, but um, I think the most important right now are getting the kids off the streets and into school, Um, developing a health program, because like we said, some of these parents are dying from the most treatable diseases, like it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, I mean, yeah, it's, um, health for the kids and their parents is extremely important to us, and um, the programs help and child marriage is something that we're working on um, a lot. Um, internally, um, it's really important for us to keep Nepali run and Nepali managed. So training as many locals as we can um, so that they can be as self-sufficient mm-hmm. as possible. Um, it's really important for us. And Ellen, thank you for elaborating on that more. But it's really important for us to not not come in and just be these the, like these foreign leaders. I, I, for me, it's really important. Mm-hmm for them to see themselves as leaders in their own communities. Um, so just continuing with that with health, with education, with women's uh, protection and empowerment, and um, as, as always, just bridging the gaps between the two, uh, the, the two ethnic groups that we have in our community, in our kids center. Um, it's super important. And for the listeners, the best thing that you could do to help right now um, as we're still in the planning phases of so many of the things that we're working on, is just to join our online community and and hear our stories and and um, yeah, and just be involved. And, and if there if help is needed, help us spread the word and and um, help us accomplish all of these all of these dreams for all of these kids. Um, it's, yeah, it's the best that you could do. Right now, we are not in you know, actively fundraising for any of our projects. And we'll definitely keep Theology updated on that if we do begin to. Mm-hmm. That in mind, um, as some of our listeners, and I'm sure you guys know, there's some pretty horrible flooding going on in South Asia and Nepal, India, Sri Lanka. Um, and if anyone is looking to donate to any of these communities, um, there's some, you know, awesome large-scale nonprofit organizations that are, trying to do some rebuilding there. Uh, you know, havoc was wreaked not too long ago with the earthquake in these same areas. Um, and all the good that was done is, you know, being torn back down quickly. So while we're in the planning phases, if people do want to donate and get involved, uh, we can definitely direct you over there because we have contact with some really cool that are accepting donations for rebuilding. Yeah, that's great. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to participate in our Impact Series podcast. We're really excited to continue following the Happy Kids Center and the many developments to come. Well, thank you for the, this, this wonderful opportunity. Um, it's, been, it's been really awesome talking with you.